Hanukkah, Festival of Lights, Feast of Dedication, Through the Eyes of God's Bride, by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. We have four blasts in the archives featuring the Feast of Hanukkah, coming from a historical background, explaining how it applies to today's people of God for our readers interested from that perspective. But this Hanukkah, I would like to look at the feast differently through the eyes of God's bride. To begin with, while she is making herself ready for the wedding day, when the marriage to the Lord is consummated, the bride of Satan makes herself ready also. Each wish to be evenly yoked with their prospective husband, and each are diligently putting effort into perfecting their image to reflect the glory of her betrothed. On the other hand, both God and Satan are looking at things spiritually from an even different view. They each see their bride as their land and house they will one day permanently dwell in. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 reveals this view. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Satan's bride-to-be is Babylon, God's is New Jerusalem. Both are spiritual cities with physical profiles manifested by people chosen to be the living stones these cities are built from. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 speaks of these living stones. You also, as living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house, translated just as easily as temple, tent, palace, tabernacle, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, prayer and praise. There is a special portion of New Jerusalem the king will rule and reign from, called Zion or Zion. It is where his house or temple, David's tabernacle, is located. Amos chapter 9 verse 11 prophesies of this temple or tent. On that day, the eighth day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. The old church failed and repair its damages, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. As King David sat on the throne in the days of the original tabernacle, today the son of David, Jesus, sits on the throne of the hearts and minds of those called to government to guide the people. Acts chapter 15 verse 16. After this, after the seventh day, I will return as the Holy Spirit and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, resurrect it from the ruins of the old church, and I will set it up. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 speaks of his government through his body. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His head of his body is his government, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It is eternal. Upon the throne of David, God promised David there would always be descendants of him on the throne. And over his kingdom, 
to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. This is a governmental eternal tabernacle. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All is accomplished by and through the Lord, not men. The rest of New Jerusalem forms the body. You see, on the outside, in the natural, you see the two brides. On the inside dwells the grooms. Each one guides their kingdom through their bride. Now picture both brides standing there in their royal apparel, beautifully dressed in robes supplied by the kingdom they represent. New Jerusalem is wearing beautiful spiritual clothing befitting her king and husband, who is the creator of the universe. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Her spirit's clothing is designed by God and presented to her at the completion of each feast as she eats from the knowledge of God and personally begins to manifest the truth served she becomes evidence of a mature gem, a new species. Her robes, presented by the Lord, must be way beyond description, more beautiful than we have words to describe. Babylon, however, is dressed in visible robes, made in this realm, as authorized by the God of this physical world. Unfortunately, Satan has blinded the eyes of the Adamic race, so they cannot see God's bride, only his, and are absolutely mesmerized by her. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, can't see, understand, or begin to comprehend the deeper truth and spiritual matters, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the full truth concerning what he did for us, who is the image of God, should shine on them and bring restoration to them. So again, Satan's bride can be recognized by carnal eyes, while New Jerusalem is seen only by the eyes of our spirits. In other words, Babylon, although dressed in the world's finest, is still naked to the spiritual eye. Therefore, New Jerusalem can plainly see through her royal facade into the abominable nature that lies within her. Revelation chapter 17 verses 3 through 6 describes Satan's bride perfectly. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. She is backed by man's government, who has complete power and authority over the people. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, colors of royalty, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, covered with precious gems, an attempt to be living stones, comparable to God's bride, which is a precious gem, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. She holds hands, so to speak, with the governments of man, an attempt to make them appear to those they rule to have the will of God backing them. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, 
and of the abominations of the earth, meet the hypocritical world church. I saw the woman, drunk with the blood of the saints, through her false doctrine many wars have been fought in the name of God, flesh against flesh, trampling God's law found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. New Jerusalem, on the other hand, is beautifully described by Apostle John. Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 and 3, and verses 18 through 21. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The church glorious is designed by God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, the Lord Jesus. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, the tabernacle of David, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and be their God. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass, all made of perfected living gems. How she begins to emerge as God's queen is very much a spiritual battle that was foreshadowed first in the natural through that part of history experienced by God's people in the year 167 BCE, known as the era of the Maccabees. The Maccabees were a family of priests that had enough of the empire of their time, pulling God's people into their society and destroying the pure worship of God. They decided to fight for Jerusalem, the temple, true knowledge and the law of God which was for them, the light of Israel. God intervened, and although they were a very small group of people against a huge Grecian army, gave them the victory. Well, guess what, people of God? It is a time once again for God's priests to stand up for the kingdom. The time is now for all the living stones registered in heaven with the Father and to be harvested, gathered, circumcised from the world, and set apart for the Lord. Predestined, personally designed before God rested, they are now being manifested in this age to fulfill their part in God's plan for the restoration of creation. Unfortunately, the harvesting of God's stones is not an easy task. Just as in the Maccabean era, God's people are assimilated, absorbed, captivated by Satan's society, and therefore tarnished by the world he is God of. As the tyrant Antiochus IV, leader of the Grecian armies, said he was God in the flesh, so Satan has also made that claim. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14 shows the similarity. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, 
also called Satan, the devil, etc. Son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, destroyed the Adamic race. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, be greater than anyone in the heavenlies. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farther sides of the north, rule God's people. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. It has been his goal from the garden. The chauffeurs have been blowing at the beginning of each and every feast for years, warning mankind against the enemy and calling God's people to the Lord's table, where revelation knowledge is being served. A mental food is served that will enable them to comprehend this supernatural battle, grow, change, mature, and prepare them for God's kingdom. Sadly, there are few, it seems, that really hunger for and love truth enough to change compared to the number of those that feast with the sons of Belial, the children of Satan at his holidays. Once again, small in number it is God's bride, New Jerusalem, against the world's many churches, the empire of Babylon. It is his government, Zion, against the heads of the world systems, labeled by scripture as the beast. These, perhaps unknowingly, allow Satan to rule as God through them, like the king of Tyre and Hitler, for instance. But you see, it is a supernatural battle, fueled by God's knowledge through his bride and Satan's knowledge through his, both supporting a strategy to carry out their plans. Plans of destruction to conquer all of creation, kill those that will not bow to him, and see him as God through Babylon and God's plans for restoration through New Jerusalem. In other words, just as in the Garden of Eden, the battle still rages today. The knowledge of God against the knowledge of Satan. The mind of God has been challenged by the mind of his enemy. Eve initiated this war by choosing the wisdom and counsel of Satan. Here is the irony of the situation. In the supernatural, this battle has already been fought and God determined the victor. But that victory remains to be manifested to earth. John chapter 16 verse 33 These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that is accomplished. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This too is under control. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 He who sins is of a devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It actually is a no-win for the enemy. So how is God's victory made manifest to the earth? For the answer, let us continue to dine on the fresh manna served from the Lord's table at the Feast of Hanukkah. Let us first look at some scripture, though, as a foundation for what I am about to share. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world, an illuminated people, a city, New Jerusalem, that is set on a hill, Mount Zion, cannot be hidden. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 9, prophesied of these ones years ago. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, shows us the fulfillment. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, and verses 22 through 23, explains God's spiritual mountain. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Remember, she was designed by God to an innumerable company of angels that protect and intercede for man, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, the church of Yeshua, the Lamb's bride, who are registered in heaven to God. These have experienced jubilee as the Feast of Atonement was completed in their lives and ownership has been returned to God from the grips of the enemy, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So as prophesied years ago, heaven and hell meet face to face through humanity. Christ, through his new species, contends with the God of the Adamic race. I have hinted at how this relates to Hanukkah, but let's plunge in a little deeper now. As stated before, because of the absorption of God's people into the world society and Grecian culture of that time, the temple was in ruins after the war. Its people were tainted by foreign religions and the majority of even the priesthood made unclean. God's city, Jerusalem, was confiscated and overrun with God's enemy. A statue of the god Zeus was forcibly erected on the altar and the light of Israel, the candelabra, or menorah, representing the knowledge of God, his feast ignored, even scoffed at, and law broken. The light went out, using the eye of discernment. Do you see the comparison today? Remember, God's people, according to Scripture, are his lights, his temple, his city, his bride. Let us begin with the similarity of old Jerusalem to God's people, the living stones that form his city today. To begin with, Jerusalem means city of peace. It was and is anything but. Back then, Antiochus, without compassion, abused God's people and prohibited the true worship of God. In time, they became accustomed to the enemy's ways and comfortable with the religions and society of the world. Likewise today, many of God's people have adopted pagan ways, evidenced by their holidays, thereby creating false doctrines and traditions contrary to God's word and law. In fact, Satan's feasts are widely celebrated. 
and gods forgotten by much of the church. Unbeknown to them, the enemy has also erected himself on the altar of their hearts, blinding them, making them dull and complacent to the fact God's light no longer shines in their midst. The spiritual menorah was devastated by moldy religion. The manna they are served is not fresh, so the oil of his approval, his anointing is sparse. In fact, as his bride looks upon them, it appears they have become a part of Satan's city, his bride. They are now immodestly dressing just like the world and following indecent, lawless trends. Unclean spirits dwell unchallenged in their bodies or temples, encouraging and supporting gross sin and debauchery. Yes, truly, many of God's people are assimilated, absorbed, drawn into Babylon. Their light today, just like the temple of old, has gone out as well. Satan, therefore, rules them harshly through man's systems. The true priesthood has been dethroned in the world. Satan's decree to be like God and rule his people has come to pass through the old church and man's systems they support. The fruit of God's nature, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, has been replaced by lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, creating cruel, barbaric, vicious world systems. Over time, the works of the flesh have been accepted by the church, as all godliness would have been lost had the miraculous not happened in the year 167 BCE. The same holds true today. There was, thankfully, in both instances, divine intervention by the Lord. Just as a very small group of people were given the victory over the armies of the Grecian Empire, so he has intervened again today. Let me show you his intervention, his miracle. In spite of all the erroneous teachings, false doctrines, inaccurate translations, deceptive scams to make money, unsound counsel, etc., he miraculously saw to it a little of his light remained and oil preserved through a few of his loyal, chosen human vessels. Satan could not stop God's knowledge completely. Now here is another miracle. The new creatures, born for this end time, that feasted on this salvaged truth and soaked up the remaining miracle oil, changed in its light, grew into an anointed new species of mankind. These would metamorphose into a kind of new humanity that reflects the image of the word, ones that could survive the difficult circumstances surrounding the transition from Christianity, the Seventh-day Church, to the Church Glorious, the Eighth-day Children of God. What caused this change? New wine. Fresh manna was served at each of God's feasts. All were invited. But sadly, the old wineskins, the spiritual Pharisees, would not budge or change. There was little or no interest in God's meals. They appear to be comfortably satisfied where they were and still are in the Seventh-day Church and oblivious of the fact God had moved on into a new day. Unfortunately, the Seventh-day Church and all her divided religions and beliefs has been the center stage of mankind's failure. 
and the world's insolvable problems. Our God was never to blame. In fact, another miracle appeared. While Satan's bride Babylon is passé, New Jerusalem has become a city shining brightly in God's knowledge and law. Her temple, a festival of lights. Babylon, ruled by Black Mountain, called Seir, or Edom, lives in darkness alongside the Esau's of the world. These spiritual Esau's are those that were born again, but returned to the world's society, its pleasures, and its knowledge, thereby giving up their birthright. Obadiah chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 speaks of this. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, were given the waters of truth, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. The truth will actually cut them off, circumcise them from the new species. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. New Jerusalem, on the other hand, is guided by Mount Zion, the holy mountain of God. It is from here God's knowledge and law goes forth across the earth, and through his new species, the fivefold offices of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are formed to help guide and protect his people. Did you know the temple of Satan, on the contrary, denies the supernatural altogether? They claim to not worship Satan as an entity, saying they consider him more of an attitude of eternal rebellion than a being. They contribute to the world's rebellion through their teachings and back the saying, I'll do it my way. They are ardently promoting the wisdom of the world through agnostic eyes and minds, as well as recommending rejection of all authority and so-called social norms. Their beliefs are based solely on the scientific understanding of the world, and they brag about never distorting scientific facts to fit their beliefs. It is frightening to think justice and compassion is determined by a mind fed from this database. Hmm, there it is. God's knowledge against the world's. There is, by the way, a religion referred to as theistic Satanism that does believe in the supernatural being. They consider him as one worthy of praise and supplication, a God they make contact and actually commune with. Can you see the contrast? Christ and his people, Satan and his, the battle rages through man. So it is Babylon against New Jerusalem, the bride of Satan against the bride of Christ. A worldwide Hanukkah is going on right now. 
It is the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light all around us. God against Satan. Which side are we actually on? Through our lifestyle and daily choices, we become evidence of the spiritual food we eat, which feast we attend, and who our intended spouse is. To those with spiritualized sight, do we stand pitifully naked? Are our sins exposed openly to God and all creation in our lives filled with unsolvable problems and little hope of restoration? Are our temples, our bodies, our tents in ruin, our minds dull, at best lukewarm with no light or oil to show the way to Zion? Thankfully, our miracle-working God, for the moment, is keeping the gates of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 4, open. Revelation, chapter 18, verse 4, calls. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, Babylon, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Our God is not only a miracle-working God, but a loving God as well. He does not expect or want His people to physically fight in the eighth day. The carnal, or physical, was for the seventh day, as carnality, flesh and blood, was chosen by Adam and Eve. This is why Jesus had to come in a human body to totally restore man. But... God's plan of restoration has moved forward to the spiritual now. It's a new day, the dawning of the manifestation of Christ's victory through the perfected spirits of His people. Victory over the world, the enemy, and all that has been evil since Noah and his family left the ark is appearing. The eighth day is a day of reckoning, a day of judgment, as well as a day of new beginnings. Out with the old, with its miseries accumulated by the Adamic race, because they chose to live as flesh and blood beings, and in with the new, making our bodies a festival of lights, making his people children full of the eighth-day miracle oil, ones filled with his knowledge and his image once again. Just as the temple in old Jerusalem was restored, as God gave victory to the Maccabees of old, today his temple, his bride, is being restored, ready to become dedicated to him alone. As stated before, God has already intervened. He has prevented Satan from assembling at least a remnant of humanity and creation into his evil world. Those that are spiritually connected to God that commune with Him, and have entered into His covenants as living stones, precious gems, will rebuild a new earth and stand as evidence of Christ's victory, the first of His new creation. So let's ask ourselves in closing, am I one that rebels against everything, including the things of God, like a stone that would be used in Satan's temple? Or... Are we perhaps actively, deliberately worshiping Satan, communing with him, contributing to making his world more and more evil and violent like him? Or are we miracle children of the eighth day, 
the fulfillment of the Feast of Hanukkah, temples of Messiah coming together into one big palace for God as His bride, creating a festival of lights, are with the illuminated, bearing His knowledge in our spirits, minds, and hearts, sweet aromas perfumed by the miracle eighth day oil, beautiful living stones, polished, perfected, prepared as His bride, ones that stand praising Him as King, their prospective husband at the Feast of Dedication. Happy Hanukkah!